0: Welcome to the Australian Digital Health Agency podcast, supporting health professionals to realise a healthier future for Australians through connected healthcare. Hello and welcome to the Australian Digital Health Agency podcast. I'm Dr Andrew Rochford and I will be your host for today. Before we begin, I'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we are broadcasting from and in which you are listening. I wish to acknowledge their continuing connection to land, sea and community, and I pay my respects to them and to Elders past, present and emerging, and extend the respect to any Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples that are joining us today. Our podcast today uh, continues in and around cybersecurity with a focus on social media and social engineering. My panel of experts joining us today to unpack this are Donna Alexander, who's cybersecurity professional with the Australian Digital Health Agency, Greg Gebhardt, who is the senior trainer for the eSafety Commissioner, and Shane Jackson, who's a community pharmacist based in Tasmania, and the previous president of the Pharmaceutical Society of Australia. Thank you all for joining me. Um, to kick things off, I might go to you, Donna, to help us get started. How can social media be used by malicious actors?
1: Thanks, Andrew. Malicious actors use social media to find out as much about you as they can. They're particularly interested in people that work in healthcare because they're busy, they have access to really valuable information, information that cyber criminals could use to conduct a fraud or or on-sell to other criminals to perhaps commit identity theft. So healthcare professionals may have access to someone's full name, date of birth, their address, along with their medical history that can be sold on the dark web and for very high prices. One of the ways um, that we're seeing malicious actors use social media is a technique known as social engineering. And this is where they hop online, get as much information as they can about you, and then craft uh, a message that they might send via email or SMS, or they may even call the person, hoping that they're a bit distracted and busy, and Mislead them into clicking on a link or providing information that seems benign but gives them intelligence which they could use to hack your account and then get into the system and get hold of that valuable personal information that you can access.
0: Greg, can you help explain to me what spear phishing is with a PH, not not with an F, um, as a technique that's used in this area of, of social engineering?
2: Yeah, well, spear phishing is uh, one of the uh, social engineering techniques. It's quite sophisticated. Uh, Phishing is about getting information from people. So when we hear the term phishing on the internet with, again, PH, uh, what we're talking about is that people are being targeted generally in mass. So uh, examples of that could be an email that comes out to maybe a 1,000 people pretending to be from a bank, but spear phishing seems to be targeted uh, generally at an individual or a group. So there is a purpose to target uh, that group. Now, basically, when we talk about social engineering, um, we used the word malicious actors before. It's really someone who uh, may have a criminal intent to take the profile of someone else to commit a crime or to, uh, in some cases, maybe even abuse or harass them. And uh, I think the thing it's important to understand when we talk about spearfishing phishing and uh, being targeted with uh, social engineering is, one, they could be using this technique to target you or your organisation, but they could also be getting your information or your organization's information and using that to target someone else. So uh, I think a lot of us have uh, heard of some of the targeted scams around someone pretending to be from the NBN trying to uh, sell you a product or uh, upgrade your uh, internet access. Well, these people uh, have... Selected people are going to target. So the spearfishing is these people are in the areas where the NBN is about to come out. So they've been very carefully uh, identified. And then the person will do a lot of research to take over the identity of someone from that organisation or they'll get into social media and try and get the information. Now, this can also uh, be cases where someone is trying to get into a friendship group. And uh, target someone in that group with uh, abuse or uh, other issues that really cause concern for them. So uh, very much about uh, picking your victim, finding ways to get in, and being very clever so that uh, you'll be successful in uh, targeting that person.
0: Shane, as a healthcare professional, how wary are you of the fact that um, obviously social media is is a a target point?
3: Oh, a- Andrew, uh, absolutely aware, and and certainly for for myself and and my staff. Uh, and especially over the last sort of 12 months through the COVID-19 pandemic and and an increase in electronic communications that are coming into sort of any healthcare environment, including community pharmacy, um, you've got a heightened level of um, suspicion about any correspondence. And uh, certainly the things that I tell my staff are that if you can't absolutely um, satisfy yourself that the correspondence that's come into the pharmacy whether it be email or whether it be uh, a communication via any other mechanism electronically if you can't absolutely verify and satisfy yourself that that's a legitimate source of communication then you should feed it up the chain in the context of of the decision-making process. So we've really tried to, to heighten the awareness and also explain the risks to the staff around, you know, those types of, of issues from an electronic communication perspective, the things that co- can go wrong, so that they understand the issues that might occur. Uh, and I think it's that understanding from a from a staff point of view, in any healthcare environment, it's really important and that heightened suspicion level that people uh, need to have because um, those individuals who are uh, essentially trying to gain access to information are really relying on people to be less suspicious than we want them to be. Thanks, Shane. So, Donna, there
0: was a recent ASIO campaign known as Think Before Your Link. Can you tell us more about that?
1: Yeah, happy to talk about that, Andrew. The ASIO campaign is focused on Australians with access to sensitive information, such as those working in healthcare. And what it does is it teaches people to think before they link with someone on social media. Malicious actors using professional networking sites to approach targets and mislead them into sharing sensitive information, unfortunately, is becoming all too common. And very skilled cyber criminals are finding ways where they can leverage traits like being open on social media such as on LinkedIn about your professional work history and the different roles that you've had, the organisations you work for, give them clues about who to target to try and extract information that might be significant for essentially espionage purposes. So similar to other online scams, they might use a sense of urgency, an offer that seems maybe too good to be true or even a little bit of flattery to get you to share sensitive information. Often these people claim to be from a recruitment agency, particularly if they're approaching you via LinkedIn and they may say that they have a a job, a role that may be of interest to you. It may be very highly paid and it's best to verify that. And one way that you can check that that actually may be a genuine offer that you don't want to miss out on (laughs) is to ask them for other details or another way to contact them. Can you have a look at their website from the company that they're purporting to be from? Can you call them on a phone number rather than chat to them via social media? So this is what the campaign's about and if you hop online, And have a look for it, you'll find that there is a range of information in there for organizations and for staff, guides, posters, wallet cards, brochures, all ready made, ready to go and circulate around the organization to raise awareness of this new threat.
0: Thanks, Donna. So now that we've got a better understanding of the fact that there's a connection between oversharing on social media and obviously the potential for it to be um, something that's that's the re- results in social engineering and a cyber attack, and one that sounds like it could potentially be a very personal cyber attack. I'd like each of you now to start offering some advice to our listeners on, on how to better protect themselves from these types of outcomes. Greg, do you mind starting?
2: I'm happy to start with that one. And I think uh, one of the key parts uh, with social media is just understanding why you might get targeted in there. And uh, again, the criminal activity that happens as far as finding someone that uh, you may be able to exploit. If we look at uh, Facebook, about 2.7 billion active monthly users. Uh, we look at uh, WhatsApp, 1.6 billion active users a month. Uh, Instagram, uh, 1 billion. Uh, Twitter, 186 million. There's a lot of people in social media. So uh, the reason why you're going to be targeting there is the pool of people that uh, can be uh, tricked or deceived is uh, much, much greater. So with that in mind, it's really important to think about your security and uh, putting privacy in place and really encouraging people to think about having settings so it's friends only, not open to the public. When you do allow people to come in or you do invites knowing who they are and making good decisions about them. Uh, if you've got people in your social media accounts that you feel maybe they shouldn't be there or they're not serving any purpose, there's no communication, uh, being comfortable with about blocking or deleting them. And if something happens, uh, reporting them. Uh, all the social media companies have terms and conditions and community standards about behaviours online, and they also have uh, really clear instructions about Uh, how to block and delete in those areas. And uh, I think it is about uh, just making good decisions when you get online that you want to get the best out of social media. You want to be able to use it, but you also want to safeguard yourself, uh, your friends and family, and also uh, your organisation that you work in.
3: Shane, do you have some advice that you could offer? Probably two parts. Uh, The first is I'd reiterate Greg's comments around privacy settings. I think that's the first thing that people can do is to make sure that they've got appropriate and adequate privacy settings uh, for their personal information, uh, noting that uh, it, it, without adequate privacy settings, then it's not just their friends uh, that may be uh, viewing what they're posting on their social media accounts. It might be uh, extraordinarily broad. So that's just to reiterate Greg's comments, the privacy settings. And then I think that the second point is that when, when people are using social media, uh in the context of their sort of professional work environment and i'm thinking sort of linkedin and and twitter here that they really try and do that you know in the in the most professional way that they can and so you know if they're if they're sharing information from their work day or work life that they're really critically evaluating how they do that so they're not exposing any you know patient information, work site information, those types of things that they they, they, they really say to themselves, is this necessary, is it useful? And uh, have I have I done the right thing from a professional obligation point of view in not only protecting themselves, but protecting the patients they care for and protecting the work site that they work in. Thanks, Shane. Donna?
1: Thanks, Andrew. I think it's also important to make sure that when you're posting things online, you do a quick check before you let it go. Earlier, I spoke about the think before you link mantra. I'm going to give you another one that we use at the agency all the time, which is think before you click. Think before you click post so that you don't breach the privacy of your colleagues, your employer or your patients. So that means checking photos carefully as well as the content that you're posting to make sure that there's nothing sensitive in the background. There'd be nothing worse than putting up a photo and then discovering it's got some patient information or something about the organisation that you didn't intend to share. It's also important to make sure that you're not sharing anything that's defamatory in nature. There have actually been some recent cases where People making defamatory reviews of healthcare services have been taken to court and and have been successful and laws are changing around social media, both at the Commonwealth and at the state level. So it's good to be aware of that when you're using a social media platform as an individual or as a healthcare business. The other part of it is there are some positives to using it for your business and It is also something that could be prone to a cyber attack. We recently saw that due to some of these laws changing, uh, some of the platforms actually stopped people being able to see your social media presence. The same thing can happen in a cyber attack. So thinking about how that platform is part of your overarching incident management plan for, for cyber incidents, as well as how you post things on it that protect your reputation and the reputation of the organisation you're representing are all important parts of using social media in a safe way.
2: Greg? Yeah, I just want to uh, reinforce the point that uh, Donna made uh, around uh, cyber abuse online and uh, maybe someone being targeted. I'm pleased to say that uh, currently uh, new legislation is going through uh, for the eSafety Commissioner to have stronger powers to be able to remove that content Online and certainly we've got some really strong partnerships with the social media companies to help anyone uh, in any organisation, uh, but uh, especially uh, the health health area. If you do have an issue online, um, but a couple of other things I think is pretty important to be aware of what you put online. One thing is uh, thinking about geolocation. So uh, when you put photos or videos online the uh, default setting is often that uh, they are geotagged so someone would know the exact location where that photo or video was taken Uh, and also thinking about uh, two-factor authentication I'm pleased to see that a lot of the social media companies now will send you a message if someone's trying to get into your account from a device that hasn't previously uh, been used before Uh, but that also comes with a bit of trust because many of those two-factor authentications require you to give your uh, personal phone number to a social media company and uh, I think one of the things that's important is to think about how you're going to use the technology, how you think that you're going to put your safety and safe measures in place, and uh, are you comfortable putting that information sitting online? I uh, know that uh, there's a generation of uh, young people that use the MySpace uh, software before Facebook and uh, probably have still left stuff sitting online that uh, they've forgotten the password to go in and remove. So it's not just what we put on now, it's the long-term impact of what we're putting onto the internet.
0: You all touched on it, but do you think it's important to to reinforce that idea of of especially in the healthcare setting, how users separate professional and personal? Because it, it is a tricky world to navigate. Because as Donna pointed out, there are the, the positives associated with it, there's also the negatives associated with it. But do you think that's something, especially in the healthcare sector, that needs to be reinforced, really getting that that clear boundaries and understandings around those? Um, setting aside the personal information you're sharing, but just the nature of of blurring those lines when you are working in the healthcare sector,
3: Shane. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for that question, Andrew. I think that's that's really important. Um, I, I think we all know that you know. So if you're thinking about Facebook or or any other sort of medium at the moment, there's a lot of you know groups that that people might utilise to, I suppose, talk about their day or or how how their work life is and and I know for pharmacists there's is Facebook groups where a lot of people might post things that have they've they've had a struggle with in their day or they might have had an you know an interaction with a difficult patient so to speak or uh, a difficult work colleague uh, and I think it's those types of forums where people need to think about As Donna was saying, think before you click. Sometimes those environments aren't the best place to post those issues. They can be quite a broad forum. Those individuals that might be being posted about might be members of those forums, in fact. Uh, And it may well have been better to address the issue in a non digital world than in digital world. So I think people have got to really think about what they're doing, how they're doing it, and how people who might be commented about uh, might perceive that if they were aware of that. And in some cases they might become aware of that. And I think, you know, people need to, especially healthcare professionals need to act in a, a very professional way uh, in the context of, of posting difficult interactions. And uh, like I said, it may not be that the Facebook groups are the best way to do that. Uh, it may well be a one-to-one interaction with a, with a colleague about advice about how to you know, uh, approach a, a difficult um, uh, situation because those, we, we know those groups can sometimes have a life of their own and they can be shared outside of, of uh, what some people might think are closed groups. It might be perceived very, very negatively, uh, and the intent was for it not to be negative. And I think people have just they just need to think about that before they do it.
0: Thanks, Shane. Donna, do you have any other key areas of advice that you could offer to people, you know, when navigating social media and, and other online platforms?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that focusing on professional expectations and your reputation is really key to using these platforms. To benefit from them. So, when they're used positively, I mean, they're a wonderful forum for people to educate and promote preventative health measures, to share ideas and knowledge with other professionals as well, and and even perhaps attract other skilled healthcare workers to your organisation because they've had a positive interaction with you online. The flip side, of course, I have actually seen an employee sacked because of a personal social media post they put on Facebook that was disparaging of the organisation. So before you post anything, you really want to think about who is likely to see it. And also, can you have a look at, does your workplace have a policy? Um, There are also some general high-level guidelines out there offered by the Australian Health Practitioner Regulation Agency. You can hop on their website and see ways that you can meet your professional obligations when using social media.
2: Greg? I want to reinforce the uh, points that uh, both Donna and Shane have made there about uh, personal use of the technology. And what we're seeing is the blurring of the boundaries nowadays where the work situation or workplace comes into the home space, that we do get work information, we do training, we're uh, constantly checking our devices because of uh, work content in the home. And then it's vice versa. We go to work and we've got our social media and we may check that at lunchtime or a break or our family things are coming through. So it is quite difficult in those areas. And, um, I think it's important to put some really key thoughts into what you do put online. Uh, the point you made about things being uh, opened up in from private groups, people often say, well, it's a private group. There's no way possible for it to get onto the Internet. But you only have to have one person in that private group decide that it's interesting or uh, maybe they think it might be something they can sensationalize and make a copy and put that into their own platform which may not be uh, closed down so it becomes public very quickly and uh, certainly we know that uh, you might see something one way but someone might uh interpret that a completely different way and that uh, can cause uh, issues in there. Uh, One thing also is about thinking about this is the use of the technology by staff and uh, in the uh, school situations uh, in education and also university, eSafety has developed a toolkit which uh, one of the resources in there is staff use of social media. Now that could quite easily be adapted to a health organisation if you're looking for something to give you some guidelines to assist uh, and to uh, uh, support your policies and procedures in those areas. So it is important to think about uh, what is the practices or the best practices that we have in the organisation relating to your personal use of social media as well.
0: I don't mind who helps out with this question, but is there any good resources that people could um, access outside of the ones that have already been mentioned to, to help them learn more about managing social media and the risks of social engineering?
1: Sure, Andrew. The agency has a free digital health security awareness course, that covers some of the things we've been speaking about and more. It also has Think Before You Click guidance materials, and these are materials that you can use within your organisation, things like postcards to give people little reminders um, about the importance of this. You can look at ASIO's Think Before You Link campaign as well, as we mentioned earlier. And in terms of the privacy aspects of all of this, the Office of the Australian Information Commissioner has some excellent uh, information on their website to help people out.
2: Greg? Well, the eSafety website is uh, very much about uh, safe use of uh, technology and has a fairly big focus on social media. So we've got a lot of uh, content that uh, sits there. And in a lot of areas that we haven't really discussed today, uh, we have a platform around uh, e-safety women. And uh, we know that in domestic violence situations, uh, technology is often being used to uh, hack, control, uh, monitor people. We've got a lot of resources in there to uh, understand that, that part of the environment. Uh, we've got an e-safety guide uh, sitting on our website with about 80 of the most popular games and apps used by both young people and adults with how to put privacy settings in, how to report negative experiences, Uh, We're also running a whole lot of webinars that are all uh, free on our uh, website, uh, and we work with lots of different groups from uh, corporate to parenting and uh, also uh, youth support services, mental health and wellbeing that can really give you advice on what's happening in social media, the peer pressure that happens for people to uh, to be connected and uh, their behaviours. And uh, our commissioners regularly putting out uh, blog posts on the, the latest issues, uh, especially around some of the new things that we're seeing like uh, deep fake technology uh, happening at the moment and uh, others. So uh, it's a great place to visit. I really recommend people have a look at some of the resources uh, sitting there. And uh, as uh, many of you may be aware, uh, we work from uh, one and two, three, four years of age with our early years program right through to uh, seniors. And uh, another part that's really important is we're now developing a lot of these resources in different languages. And I think uh, that can be really valuable for uh, lots of households.
0: Absolutely. I'd just like each of you now to offer some final advice that you would provide to other healthcare professionals about using social media safely. Shane, do you mind going first? Uh,
3: Thanks, Andrew. Uh, What what I would say, my my final comments would be that organisations and individuals should have a process for regular review of their social media accounts and usage. So in the context of individuals, it's the comments we were making before about regular review Privacy settings um, and those those aspects, from an organisation's perspective, I think it's about looking at whether the expectations of the organisation are changing or have changed over time. So, in that context, it's it's making sure that those social media accounts are regularly re, regularly monitored uh, and somebody's actually responsible for them. Um, it's easy for um, uh, you know, posts or, or different aspects of, of how you might use social media to, to go a bit viral sometimes. And I think in the context of, uh, of having somebody who is responsible for managing um, those accounts, uh, looking at the comments that are coming through, responding so that consumers or people interacting with those social media accounts are getting the experience that they they need as well, and that it's a positive experience for the organisation and the individuals who are interacting with those accounts. So I think, you know, it's not something, managing a social media account on the, on behalf of an organisation is not something that people should be doing off the side of their desk, so to speak. They need to be have people dedicated to it and regularly reviewing the goals and the expectation of the organisation as well. Thanks, Shane. Greg, any final advice from you?
2: Yeah, I think uh, that policy and procedures part is very important in organisations around uh, social media, especially with the blurring of the the boundaries, as I mentioned before. Um, And I think also not only just having policy and procedures, but maybe some uh, best practice guidelines within organisations. Um, The other thing I'd add to that is how do you ensure that all of your staff are aware of what those policies and procedures are? How do you ensure that they all understand the best practice guidelines and why they're put in place? And also knowing where to go within your organisation or externally, if there's an issue, where to get help and where to get support. And I think they're really key parts of the process of trying to ensure that uh, all the technology used in your organisation is done in a positive way.
0: And finally, to you, Donna.
1: Thanks, Andrew. I think that social media is a fantastic tool for healthcare professionals and healthcare organisations to use when it's done in the right way. Some of the things we've discussed earlier, think before you click or link, are simple little mantras to keep top of mind as you use these tools. An extra word of caution though I would add is that there is a prevalence of little pop-up quizzes or requests for surveys or use your sign in with your social media account. And I just ask people to be very careful with that. You really need to check when you're entering those quizzes or or surveys or or signing in, who else is going to see that information? Where is it going to go? Because sometimes it can be handed on to third parties um, and you may not realise and Sure, sometimes that may result in just a little extra spam, but in worse situations, it it can involve you allowing a malicious person to access your organisations or your own social media account and do all kinds of havoc. So they might post something that you wouldn't want them to post about you or your organisation. But most importantly, I think that our listeners can find lots of great information online to help them navigate keeping their personal and their professional reputation intact and benefit from using social media.
0: Thank you, Donna. Thank you, Shane. And thank you, Greg, for joining me on this podcast today and all your valuable insights into how you can stay safe on social media. Thank you to everyone also for listening today. And we hope that you will join us next month as we continue to explore cybersecurity in healthcare. You may also be interested in previous cybersecurity podcasts by the Australian Digital Health Agency, covering the topics of phishing, ransomware and password management. And we'll catch you next time.